What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. I'm Holly. And I'm Bridget. And this is Girls Next Level. <laughs> Welcome back to Girls Next Level, everybody. We're here in our new studio. and so exciting. I can't even get the proper camera going. So we're using this one for now. <laughs> Got some new cables being dropped off by the Instacart. What have you been up to this It's last a process, week? but it's going good. It is. I mean, considering we're doing it all ourselves, I think we're okay. But like every day, it's a new thing. Like anytime you want to upgrade anything with the production, it's just... It leads to five more problems that you have to tackle. Yeah, but it looks cute. Like, I like it. I like the look, too. I think it's fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What have I been up to? Oh, my God, so much. Um, I feel like we'll get into it more on the slumber party, but, like, just for a frame of reference, like, I was in Canada, ghost hunting. Show everybody your cute pants if they're watching the oh. video on YouTube or Patreon. They're, like, these cute, sparkly, they're comfy like, joggers. They're joggers, but they're sequin. They're so cute. <laughs> and I've had them for a long time, and for some reason, like, I love them. And I love to wear them, but then I lose the nerve to like walk out in them. You don't need nerve. They're so cute. I do though, because for some reason, like I've only worn them like in public, I think one other time before, but I love them. They're so cute. Maybe I'll just start wearing it. It'll be my uniform for this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so much has been going on. I was in Canada doing a ghost investigation. Obviously, Halloween and Nick's birthday. I just feel like it's been very busy. Yeah. I had to delete my Venmo account. What? Isn't that annoying? So on Venmo, I was anonymous, right? I had like a fake name, a fake picture. Anytime I would do a transaction, I would try to remember to hit private. Because you know how you can see what all your friends yeah, are doing, that. which is weird. I, like, why is that even a thing? That is really weird. It's odd. But anyway, so it was all private. But I went to Dollywood and my friend Tanya had Ubered to the Airbnb before me. And it was very rural and I was getting in very late. So she's like, I love my Uber driver. I got his number. So if you want to book him directly do that, which I was like so excited about because sometimes when it's late and you're in kind of a rural area, it's just hard to get an Uber. Yeah. So did that. And then I paid him by Venmo and then we used him to carpool back to the airport too. So I Venmoed him twice. And then after I get home, I'm getting these weird messages. One from a woman who's like, I can't believe it, Holly. You fucking ruined my life. You fucking bitch. You fucking da 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 da. So I don't know if that was like, the driver's girlfriend, but I don't know what you think went down in the car, but it wasn't me. What? <laughs> yeah. And then after that, I start getting messages from people I don't know saying, and it, they're making references that they know who I am. Like, oh, I love the podcast, blah, blah, blah. Could you send me 500 bucks for this and like requests for money? So all of a sudden, everybody knew who my Venmo was. And I was getting like rude, threatening messages from some lady. And I can only assume it came from the driver. That's the only. That is so 
crazy. Yeah, it was just creepy. So now I only use Zelle. Yeah, well, and Zelle is like connected to my bank too. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'd have a little more protection with Zelle. Yeah, I think Zelle is more like bank official, which is the reason I didn't like using it because I had to log into my banking app to do it. It's not like Venmo where you're just always kind of logged in. I mean, for I don't know if it's like that for everybody, but for me, Zelle was just kind of this extra step. Oh, so, but now I'm only using that. So, oh my God. RIP my Venmo. That's really a crazy story. Yeah. Holy crap. Oh, that makes me like want to go look back at, make sure everything's private and like. Yeah, double check. Because I don't know, maybe there was some way people could figure out who I was, but I don't know what that would be because I had like my picture was different, the name was different, everything. Yeah, that's really terrifying. Yeah, I don't like it. And it just felt so creepy to be getting these messages sent to my email that were like so threatening and weird. And yeah, I didn't like it. Wait, do you have to change your email now too? Or you just can block? No, because I don't think they had my email because it was coming through from Venmo. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is another weird thing. Like, I didn't know Venmo. I should have guessed because they you can see the history of what everybody's doing. But I didn't know it was social like that where people could send, drop you an email from the Venmo. But I guess they can. Yeah. Yay. That is just weird. And that, like, is very concerning to me. and should be concerning to other people, too. Yeah. Just take an extra step. <laughs> Yikes. Also, I wanted to bring up that some people think we're out of order on these episodes. Like when right. Me on the Booty um, like posted last week, it was I got a bunch of messages going, wait, you guys are out of order. You're out of order. And honestly, I th- I thought we were out of order, too, originally, because I started watching Heavy Petting. And mm-hmm. then I was like, oh, wait, 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 we're on Mutiny on the Booty. But I guess it depends on where you're watching it. Yeah, I think Tubi is definitely out of order compared to how the episodes originally aired and how they're on the DVD. And by the way, how they originally aired and how they're on the DVD aren't even the same all the way through the series because for some reason they put some of the season five episodes at on the season four DVDs. Oh, that's interesting. But as far as real time goes, like how we were really shooting mm-hmm. it, Heavy petting does happen before it does. me on the booty. Yeah, it's one of the first things because that happened like right after Hef's birthday or maybe even right before. It was right very after. much the same time. Yeah. Because um, I don't know what day Easter fell on that year. Actually, I was going to look that up. But Hef's birthday is on April 9th. So whatever the Saturday was before that was when the birthday party was. Mm-hmm. And then Wednesday's birthday was April 12th. And I'm sure I had it right on the actual day. Yeah. So it would have been only like three days later, maybe four or five days later, depending on what day Hef's birthday fell on. I can't wait to get to that episode, by the way. And I'm going to call it Justice for the Dog Birthday Party. And we're going to get into it when that comes around. Yeah. So don't think we're trying to skip it or whatever, because I'm really excited for that. Oh, I'm ready. Because there's been a lot of like you guys might not know, but there's been a lot of just in our world talk about the dog birthday party. So we need to clarify some things yeah there's a lot of haters and <laughs> yeah. and we are going to clarify a lot of it and i can't wait to talk about it so we're definitely not trying to skip it not trying to push it off like i'm looking forward to that one i have to say too when i was doing this rewatch for my youtube and first revisiting these episodes after 15 years i kind of hated everything in season one like the ghost busted episode was my favorite out of it but season two i had three favorite episodes and dog birthday party was one of them just because it's so visual it's so fucking cute with all the animals it's so cute and there's reasons why it's in there 
Yeah, so fuck off to the dog birthday party haters. That's right. <laughs> that is absolutely right. So should we get back into this episode? Yeah, I'm just looking through my notes here to see where we left off last time. Here we are. I've got a little X marking the spot. The next scene I have is we're getting ready to do my part of the pictorial shoot. And you and I are going down to the screening room to watch Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Yes. And the reason we were doing that is I wanted my part of the pictorial to look like that Diamonds Are a Girl's Best Friend scene. And I wanted to watch the movie on the big screen so I could really see what Marilyn's makeup looked like. Because you would be surprised what you can see and can't see versus like a regular big screen TV versus a movie screen. Like you can see so much more detail. I was able to see the detail of her shoes so I could recreate her shoes. And I can't see that if I'm pulling it up like on my big screen TV or on my mobile device or whatever yeah like for example she has like a blue eyeliner under her eye in that scene and i never saw that until i watched it on the big screen you would not see that yeah there's no way you would be able to see that and in commentary we're talking about all the details that you see on that big screen Mm -hmm. too and um and we're talking about how fans call us out and this is in commentary we're talking about how fans call us out on every little thing at that time we were talking about it yeah just on the show Mm -hmm. that they can see on their on their screens and then we're like imagine if they saw it on these big screens oh i know like you'd be seeing every pore and dimple and nipple and ass crack (laughs) i mean you can see our ass cracks but you would be able to see like starfish or something oh, i don't know no. what oh, you no. would see that's a whole other episode so the reason they are able to show gentlemen prefer blondes on our show is girls next door was owned by fox because kevin burns's production company prometheus used to be like a subsidiary of fox it wasn't always like it eventually he broke free but when girls next door started he was part of fox so fox owned girls next door so we could show stuff from the fox archive and maryland's almost all of maryland's films were from when she was under contract to 20th century fox that's right yeah so he loved an excuse to like mine the archives yeah well that is kind of awesome to get to do that i think so too i think it's a nice detail yeah Another reason I wanted to rewatch the scene is just to get refreshed on like everybody knows what Marilyn looks like in that scene. Everybody knows what like the men in the tuxedos with the red sashes look like. But there's also ballerinas in that scene or women who are wearing like kind of ballerina style dresses with like flowers in their hair. And they're not in the scene as much, but I wanted to rewatch and look at what their costumes looked like because I was debating, like, how am I going to dress you guys in the scene? Are you going to be in tuxedos? Are you going to be ballerinas? Yeah. And I decided for the tuxedo looks, I think that's just such like a hot look on a woman Mm -hmm. to do like the masculine tuxedo. Like I could have done ballerina, but I don't think it would have been as like effective and like sharp looking. No. And then I feel like it's such a contrast. Mm-hmm. I feel like totally. the, and the other one wouldn't have been as much of a contrast. It both would have yeah. been feminine and pretty. It would have been a lot of red and pink. Yeah. In that picture. And I think that that was a better contrast. Family, friends and Lumi whole body deodorant. These are the things I'm thankful for this year. Why? Because Lumi is a DO like no other. It was created by an OBGYN who discovered BO isn't just an underarm thing, it's an all-over thing. So she developed a pH-optimized deodorant that's clinically proven to block odor everywhere, not just your pits, but your privates, your feet, and beyond. The best part? No matter where you use it, Lumi is proven to keep working for up to 72 hours. If three days of odor control isn't something to be thankful for, I don't know what is. 
Special offer, new customers get $5 off Lumi starter pack with our exclusive code. And for a limited time, returning customers can get $5 off their next purchase of $30 or more too. Use code NEXTLEVEL at lumideodorant.com, L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com. Lumi is great to use anytime, anywhere, any day, basically, but I really love to use it before my workouts. I love using Lumi. I love their scents, especially the clean tangerine and the lavender sage are my favorites. They're so good to use. They're baking soda free. They're paraben free. They're pH balanced for safe use below the belt. So you can pretty much put it anywhere. I love it. It's so easy. And it's so easy to use because there's different varieties. There's sticks, there's lotions and creams and wipes. Lumi is a whole body deodorant, so it's seriously safe to use anywhere on your body. Pits, under boobs, thigh folds, belly buttons, butt cracks, vulvas, and feet. It was created by an OBGYN who saw firsthand how normal BO was being misdiagnosed and mistreated. Clinically proven to block odor all day and control odor for up to 72 hours, which is very impressive. And how does it do it? Unlike some deodorants that try to mask odor with a fragrance, Lumi is formulated and powered by mandelic acid to stop odor before it starts. More like a pre-odorant. Lumi's starter pack is perfect for new customers. It comes with a solid stick deodorant, cream tube deodorant, two free products of your choice, like the mini body wash or the deodorant wipes, and free shipping. As a special offer for listeners, new customers get $5 off a Lumi starter pack with code NEXTLEVEL at lumideodorant.com. That equates to over 40% off your starter pack when you visit lumideodorant.com and use code NEXTLEVEL. So getting ready for this Maryland shoot, all I needed for clothes were gloves, which I had trashy lingerie make the gloves. I needed like the shoes, which I bought shoes that were like kind of the shape and color of hers, but I added rhinestones because if you are able to see closely on the screen, you can see that's what she has. I got like some the rhinestone jewelry that kind of looks like it. And some of the pieces I had to glue together, like glue pieces on other pieces to make it look like what she was wearing. And then I needed blue colored contacts and I needed a wig and to get the wig that I didn't end up wearing I went to Hollywood Toy and Costume which is this famous like toy costume fun place on Hollywood Boulevard and I don't know if she's still there but there used to be someone who worked there named Miss Sheila who would make all the wigs and they would have these crazy amazing wigs in the window they're probably still there I would not be surprised if she's still there she's amazing yeah she is amazing she did my Bride of Frankenstein wig Mm -hmm. she did my Marie Antoinette wig she did like a bunch of wigs for me yeah incredible you know what one of my favorite wigs she ever did was was the wig that looks like flames Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like a big red wig with like orange and yellow in it. And it's in the shape of a big flame. Yeah. And I don't know if you ever saw, I th- I think this was like in our early, early days or maybe even like before I was a girlfriend. Yeah. Bijou Phillips came to a party dressed as a cigarette. And that was one of my favorite costumes because it's just so creative. She just wore like a white bodysuit with like white rubber boots and then the flame wig. Yeah. <laughs> it was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I totally remember that. Hollywood Toy and Costume is Haunted. They yes. did a Ghost Adventures episode on it. And I forget the exact history of it, but there's a crazy weird history where there was like some weird fire in there when a bunch of like unhoused people were 
squatting there. Yeah, living in the basement or something. Yeah, or, I don't like, know. A lot has or gone something. on in that building. Yeah. So the next scene is it starts with the peacocks making noises on the side of the mansion and pulls into your room and you pull the wig out and you say, it's wig time. Yeah. Before we get into that, people always want to know if the peacock noise was something that like disturbed me while I was asleep or woke me up or anything. Oh, I, f- I mean, for me, it wouldn't have been a factor aches. I'm the heaviest sleeper. Like, oh. it takes a lot to wake me up. Like, I sleep like a brick. But also, I have a way, like, I'm really sensitive to, like, sounds and stimulus and stuff. But I have a way of, like, I don't know, factoring away certain things to where it becomes a non-entity. Oh. And, like, animal noises would always have been that. I know at the beginning, the peacock noises really got to me like it was so loud. And my (laughs) bedroom is like in the backyard where they go. And just so you guys know, right at dusk, they fly up into the trees and sleep and they don't get back up until like sunrise about. And then they fly down, they start making their noises and stuff, but they make noises all day long. But somehow like you get used to it eventually, like you don't even notice it anymore. And then people Mm -hmm. would come to stay like my mom or whatever and be like, oh, how do you deal with those peacocks? I'd be like, what? Oh, are they making noises? I didn't even notice. Yeah, it just becomes like part of the furniture. And if anybody doesn't know what a peacock sounds like, it's not really what you think. It's like, That was a pretty good impression, if I it, say so myself. It was. And it's almost it's I sort be hired of... to do peacock voiceover. <laughs> From a distance, it almost sounds like somebody yelling or like a crying type of thing. Mm-hmm. Well, if you watch our show, you definitely know what the peacocks sound like. <laughs> yeah. So I put this wig on and I decided not to go with the wig. I thought it looked too puffy. I thought it looked too camp. And look, but looking back, I think it looked fine and exactly like what it was supposed to look like. And I should have kept the wig. You know what? I think when you're not used to wearing wigs, and I know we wear extensions and we wear falls uh-huh. and that kind of stuff. So close enough, but like a full wig is really hard. I think unless you're used to wearing it all the time, I feel like it makes such a transformation mm-hmm. on you and it feels so artificial. Yeah. That I feel like. Until you get used to it, it does kind of freak you out a little bit, even though to everybody else, you might look totally normal mm-hmm. or exactly the part. And I think if anybody's ever done this, even just at Halloween time or whatever, like, you know what I mean? Like you put on that witch's wig and all of a sudden you feel like, oh, my God, this is so weird and so out of my element. Yeah. And But to everybody else, it looks like just your costume and it fits just right. Mm-hmm. I just think it's hard to get over it in your head to see I, yourself a different way. Yeah. I think I was too insecure at that time, too. Like I was too scared to like from whatever my typical look was for obvious reasons. I mean, if it's not obvious to anybody, like Hef would freak out over the tiniest little thing. And I just remember putting it on and thinking, I don't know. I think it's a little too much. It's a little too camp, a little too drag. Not that I don't love camp and drag. Yeah. But I was scared to go into like a Playboy pictorial with like Hef's idea of what femininity was in a wig that was too puffy. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like even these tiny little subtle differences. I'm like, oh, no, I could never do that. Well, and we were trying so hard to please him in this because we wanted this to work. Mm -hmm. And in order for this to work, he's got to be happy with the pictures. So if there's one thing that looks too campy or too artificial or too cartoonish, and then and you can't do yours, then probably none of us can do ours because it doesn't make sense for two of us to have it and one not. Yeah, then it's completely screwed. Yeah. So there was a lot at stake and a lot of risk. Mm Mm-hmm. 
And you say that you thought it looked ridiculous, but looking back, it totally does not. No, it looked like exactly what I wanted and ordered and what it was supposed to look like. Also, on that same note of being afraid to veer away from what like my typical look was, Hef hated red lipstick. So how was I going to do red for the Maryland thing? But my idea, like what I gravitated to for quote unquote red or like my red substitute was this lip pencil that Mac made called Chicory, Mm -hmm. which was a very like toned down, like brownish red. So it was like a neutral version of red. Like I posted a bunch of pictures on the Patreon too, where like the week before I was like practicing my makeup. So I went out in that same makeup and went to buffet and and you'll be able to see it there. Like it's red, but it's not. You know what weirded me out the most about your look? What? The eyebrows. Oh, the bleached out eyebrows. Even with the, um, because I know you had to do it in advance. Mm -hmm. So even when I first noticed it was um, Kendra's the ch- when we're cheerleaders and I was mm-hmm. like wait why does Holly look so different here yeah I was trying to figure it out and it wasn't until you're in the dining room later that I figured it out and I'm like oh my god it's the eyebrows yeah I had to do blonde eyebrows for the Maryland look but I think I went too blonde like I feel like I could have like put a little ashy into it yeah because it looks like no eyebrows it does it's in some lot. scenes yeah I'm like, wait what is happening I know but it's fun like I love leaning into a transformation when I can. Yeah, I me so too. Fun. I think it's great. And the the wig just like kind of emphasizes the transition. But it looked fine with your hair too. But like you say in here, it didn't work and it started to panic you. And mm-hmm. I feel like this is the start of everything kind of going wrong. Yeah. In this whole episode. <laughs> yeah. Or this whole pictorial. Mm-hmm. So your wig doesn't look right. You're not going to use it. You're starting to panic on that. And now you got to do your own hair, which is going to take extra long which possibly could hold up the shoot. So I know we're thinking time-wise always. And you say, even though we had shot for Playboy before, this was a nervous time for you because you're in charge of the costumes involved because you even made, I don't know, you didn't just mention this, right? You didn't mention that you... Yeah, I made this stuff for you guys too. So obviously like you and Kendra had to be naked, but I did like cuffs and collars, bunny costume style to like suggest a tuxedo. And then... Top hats and then the but you rhinestone them too. Yeah, I put all the rhinestones on myself and everything, so it was very DIY. Yeah, and then I'm like, wait, can I keep these? Yeah, <laughs> and I did. Mm-hmm. I have them in my stuff. Then let's. Did we talk about how? I know we kind of mentioned it in the last episode, but I feel like we should bring it up again. Mm-hmm. How Hef was afraid this was not going to be glamorous enough. Which is so weird to me. I say that in the episode. Like, Hef's afraid this isn't going to be glamorous enough. And I don't know what he means. Like, I feel like Marilyn Monroe in Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is the definition of glamour. Right? That's like, what I was going to say. what is he say. talking about? Like, is his definition of glamour in this case just something different? Like, does it always have to be satin sheets in a bedroom to be glamour? Because I would think if somebody was going to say that's not glamorous enough, uh, in a jungle with King Kong or or sports. football is not glamorous football locker enough. room. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I would say mine or Kendra's was less was way less glamorous. Yours was the most glamorous. So it's just so weird to me. It's one of two things. Either when he said it's not going to be glamorous enough, his idea of what glamour meant was something completely different. Yeah. Or he's fucking with me. Yeah. Because that could kind of be it, too. Because, like, here I am trying to do something that's, like, the pinnacle of glamour. And it's the most glamorous out of the three. But he goes out of his way to tell me that mine isn't going to be glamorous enough. 
Right. Like that's weird. I can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. So then it starts out with you like kind of posing on the stairs and they're testing the lighting and stuff. I'm obviously still in hair and makeup, Mm -hmm. but they always have like if somebody's ready to like it's easier to test the lighting and see everything when somebody's there. Or you may have even been starting your individual shots because each of us did group and an individual shot with our own set. So possibly you were starting to do your individuals. I'm not sure what was happening there exactly. But then they notice that there's a flaw in the stairs on the paint. Yeah, that whatever color they painted the stairs, it wasn't photographing red enough. So he's like, we have to completely repaint these stairs. But before that happens, um, Sarah is like doing my makeup and she says, like, where's Kendra? Like, is she coming? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, eh. obviously, Kendra must have texted me or something because I must have had some sort of information because I I said, she asked me is she on her way and I said not exactly so running way late yeah because you guys had to go to the salon to get your hair done right yes which is weird like why couldn't Laurent because they would hire Laurent to do our hair for these so why wasn't he at the studio there must have been a reason that he couldn't leave the salon that day and we had to go there instead Mm -hmm. I mean it was really early in the morning I also think too I think our schedule for this pictorial got switched around because I was looking at my day planner when I was putting up the photos for Patreon and it says we're shooting at Mapleton like the third day of our shoot but I don't but I can tell by other pictures we have that that wasn't the day we shot at Mapleton so it might have been like a whole like last minute switch around oh it could have been and maybe he wasn't able to get away yeah because yeah we definitely went to the salon that morning and then Kendra's late and not coming back and they show her being late and for people who don't remember like the reason you guys had to have Laurent do your hair is they were like elaborate updos with like rhinestone clippies and stuff like that yeah and (laughs) Laurent knows how to do those updos I mean it's not like playboy hair makeup couldn't have done it but Laurent is like the pro at those updos yeah these really intricate ones like I feel like he was Marie Antoinette's hairstylist in a past life I think so because he does those like little tiny curl towers and stuff like that (laughs) you guys when he does an updo like that I kid you not I I will count them next time. I swear there's at least 150 um, pins in my hair. Yeah. It's like so heavy. And so it's not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. It's not going anywhere. (laughs) Do you remember that day? Was I actually pressed that Kendra was late? Because, of course, in the show, they play it off like I am. No, I feel like we were. She was definitely very late. Yeah. Very late. Um, because it's the start of a pattern. And I, I'm not trying to bash on Kendra in this episode at all. But it is the start of a pattern. She's the last person to get her hair and makeup done. Everybody has to do it before her. She's the, So she can sleep in because she mm-hmm. can't get up. She is the last one to the set. She doesn't want to drive with us because she wants to sleep in. Like it's always it's it becomes a pattern and it ends up not making a difference in this one because they have to repaint the stairs anyway. So it all works mm-hmm. out. But it's going to be a problem in the future. So I think it has to be pointed out now. Yeah, for sure. And I don't remember specifically being like upset at Kendra or mad at her or thinking she was doing it on purpose at the time. I remember being kind of bummed, like, of course, my set needs a whole extra repaint. And it's not just like a glitch. It's like you have to wait for all the paint to dry. Yeah. And like, oh, and of, of course, Kendra's like, like, of course, on mine, like everything. And the reason that makes a difference that everything's taking longer is is because it just takes so long to get that really flattering nude shot. So you want to try all the poses you can and shoot as long as you can. But I'm getting less and less time. Yeah. 
So that was annoying. I don't remember being like particularly mad at Kendra, but I do remember one time when she was late to something that I was upset about. It was when my jewelry line came out and we had an appearance at Kitson to promote the jewelry line. Yeah. But it was all three of us doing the appearance and Kendra was so late that it like like significantly late to the point where like we weren't getting there on time and there were like all these people waiting for us and stuff. And like to her credit, she did apologize to me later about it. But I remember that day I was mad. And I think there were a couple things at play there. Like one was, is she trying to sabotage me? Because it was kind of like my thing. Mm Because it was my jewelry line. Like I didn't really know. And but also there's kind of the feeling of it's that inferior feeling we were talking about last week about how we always have to do stuff as a group because like the jewelry line was my thing but I'm not good enough to do the appearance for it by myself you know what I mean right the holidays are here guys and that means one thing it's time to start shopping for the men in your life and there's no better place to look than true classic ladies you need to gift your men the best fitting t-shirts jeans and sweaters from true classic true classics ultra comfortable perfect fitting essentials make for the perfect gift for a significant other friend, brother, dad, a cousin, even a secret Santa. Our friends at True Classic are on a mission to maximize men's confidence by elevating their style. Trust me when I say this is a gift that will make your man look nice. A gift for him, but it's really a gift for you, if you know what I mean. And right now, for a limited time this November, they're giving our listeners a special Black Friday deal all month long, up to 60% off site-wide at trueclassictees.com slash next level. So I got a couple of teas just in time for Nick's birthday and I gifted them to him already. And he is super picky about t-shirts and the way they fit and he loved them. So I can tell you, if you've got a picky guy, he will like these. I'm always nervous about buying him clothes because they have to fit a certain way. And your guy is probably the same. I mean, it's hard to find a good t-shirt. Is it going to be soft enough? Is it going to be long enough? Is he going to like it? There's so many things to consider. But True Tees takes that guesswork out of it for you. When Nick tried them on and liked them, I knew I was going to be adding some more of those to my Christmas shopping list. Trust me, the men in your life need this. So if you're ready to do them a favor and upgrade his closet, shop now with my exclusive link at trueclassictees.com com slash next level and save up to 60% off site wide during their November holiday sale. That's trueclassictees.com forward slash next level. This year, I'm thankful for True Classic. Well, it's nice to know that she apologized for that because I feel like most of the time she didn't apologize. She was just like, what? I'm here now. What the fuck? Like, who cares? I think somebody talked to her about it. Oh, because at this point, it wasn't just petty in-house stuff. It was like an outside company was booking the three of us to do something. We're representing Playboy and Girls Next Door. And she was like significantly late to the point where it was like a problem. Yeah. So it becomes a pattern. And I think that that's just um, something you need to know for right now, because obviously it doesn't affect the scene and we get along great in mm-hmm. this whole scene and everything goes it does turn out not, not spoiler alert but everything does turn out okay at the end but i do remember it being like stressful i remember sitting in the makeup chair and and um the makeup artist asking me like where is she like how much longer is she gonna be and i'm like she's not even close you and you're what? already shooting in the other yeah. room and i'm you know like well into hair and makeup i'm like obviously my hair is done and i'm well into makeup you know what else is rude about it and i just thought of this we're on season two like we've already watched season one episode one where i make it very clear that i'm the one who gets yelled at anytime she's late Mm -hmm. so it's like she just doesn't give a shit 
Right. <laughs> right. And as we've mentioned before, too, she's already uh, gone and done some appearances on her own that they let her do and weren't allowing us to do. And it's I feel like it's sort of going to her head a little bit that she's the celebrity here. So it works out, like I said, because they have to repaint the stairs anyway. And in an interview, you say Kendra was a little late to my photo shoot and I felt a little frustrated because this is very important to me to be. It's very important to me to be professional and on time. And there's the added pressure of making sure the shoot turns out so Hef likes it. And I just felt like, come on, be on time, pull your weight around here. And I feel like it's such a tampered way of what you really wanted to say. Like, I can feel what you're feeling and I know what you really want to (laughs) say. And it's not just that. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. And I don't even think that this situation was something I was really mad about, but it was it was such a pattern with her that it was just like, okay. I think that maybe you weren't really mad about it at the time because you were busy and didn't realize like what time it was mm-hmm. and where she was as far as the scale of things. But I knew somehow I I was in contact. I don't know if the producers told me or if by this time we have like a phone that we're kind of texting on. Yeah. And she's like going to be another hour or something. And I know it. But I obviously have some inside information here mm-hmm. that Kendra is nowhere near. Yeah. Going to be here in time. But I feel like you were also being really nice about it because we know we're going to see this come out and you're not trying to rock the boat. Like you're trying to keep everything. I was always never trying to rock the boat. That's why when they cut to my resting bitch face, it's always fake. Like I do get comfortable more and more as the seasons go on, joking about things, pointing things out, trying to make it humorous. But I would have just never wanted to cause that drama or be vulnerable enough to like let the audience see that I was like upset about something. I always tried so hard to make things work. That's why it made me extra mad that the show would like craft the drama on top of it. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't fucking win. Yeah. And she says, um, oh, I was just a few man- minutes late. And I was like, a few minutes late. You were like hours late. And she was like, oh, there was a lot of traffic getting to the studio. So it's like kind of excuses, Mm -hmm. but I like when they do the funny cuts, like they show the stairs and they turn it black and white and they go, ah, oh my God, I was just going to say that. And then they show the wig and they turn it black and white and they go, ah, and then they show Kendra and they turn it black and white and they go, ah. It's so funny. I thought that was really cute. I really like that. It's really funny. And each scream is different. And I Mm -hmm. feel like each scream for some reason goes with what they're talking about. It does. I don't even know how they do that because if you told me pick a scream that goes with this, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't know what that scream is. But when I hear it, I knew it was the right scream for each thing. And I have to say about this episode, like I don't mind this drama for the show. I think because I wasn't necessarily that pressed about this incident, like there would be other things, sure. But I am fine having this as the conflict. And I kind of liked playing into it. And I thought the edits they did were cute and funny. Well, because this is real drama. Mm-hmm. Like they really did have to repaint that last minute. And you were like, okay, do that real fast. And Arnie's like, well, there's nothing fast about it. Like we have to repaint it and then let it dry. Yeah. And like you say later, I was literally sitting around watching paint dry. And literally. It was literally not what we were doing. And um, Kendra being late was real. And your wig not, you not liking mm-hmm. it is real. So all of that is real, real drama. So it's easy when it's real it's harder when they're trying to push things or after the fact slant things to make it drama that's when it really bothers us yeah for sure or when they're trying to like exploit certain vulnerabilities we have that we're trying really hard to overcome and make better and not involve other people in our own drama but they yank it out anyway like that's what I really hated and thought wasn't fair yes and I felt like that 
Again, I know you guys hate it when I say this, but I felt like they only did that to me and you and not Kendra. And that's a whole theme of this episode I want to talk about is breaking down on camera because we'll get to it, but you start crying later. And there's an episode in season two where I start crying on camera. And I know you always say you're very emotional. It's very easy for you to make to make you cry. For me, it's very difficult. I'm very stoic. I'm very tough. I would rather die than cry about something real on camera. Not that I think it's bad when other people do it, but that's just me. I would rather not be vulnerable on camera. I'd never wanted to do a reality show. I never wanted to like let people into my personal life, really. Like now I'm okay doing it because I feel like I've kind of had to over the past 20 years. Yeah. But that's what bothered me. And I And then when I was thinking about that, I was thinking, was there ever any time Kendra cried on camera? Like, I think one of the very last episodes where we're all leaving, there's kind of like a tear wiped away. But I don't think she ever had any of those moments where she broke down on camera. And I think that's because they never pushed her in that way. Like, they were fine having her be the comic relief. They were fine making her look like she was bad at sports. But they never tried to get like that emotion and that vulnerability out of her. See, I complained to Kevin about this at one point because I was like, it's not fair that you guys are always showing me crying. And 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 I know that I am crying, but it's because they're really pushing me. Mm-hmm. Like I've said before, the um, interviews felt almost like therapy sessions to me because yeah. they were really like pushing me. Well, why do you feel that way? And when you're really digging for answers like that, it makes me and I think a lot of people very emotional. And you're trying to like figure this all out. And it's on camera. Yeah. And like I said, you kind of forget about the cameras and you feel like you're talking to friends and stuff. And it's I just feel like they were always focused on really pulling it out of me. And I told Kevin, it's not fair that you're always doing that to me. And he said, well, and he just kind of giggled about it. And he said, you're the heart of the show. You're my emotion. If we don't have that, we don't have the heart and we don't have the emotion. And I just felt like, but that's unfair to like make that all on one person. Exactly. And I and so now I and then I knew it's deliberate that they're trying to do this but it doesn't change like I can't like stop myself from doing it because I am an emotional person I do I do get emotional about things uh, positive things and negative things and neutral things like if you really really push I'm I'm probably going to get emotional on it when I'm really trying to tap into how I feel about something or you know what it means to me and that kind of thing I think part of it too is from very early on Kevin was able to discern what would make you cry and what would make me cry because for you it was like you really want to be a playmate but it's not happening so you don't feel good enough Mm -hmm. and for me it's like I'm very insecure about my relationship with Hef and the fact that he's with other women makes me feel not good enough but he didn't know what Kendra's thing was maybe and everybody has something everybody has one thing but it's not so obvious with her yeah this episode of Girls Next Level is brought to you by Wild Grain. Wild Grain is the first ever Bake From Frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. No thawing required. The team at Wild Grain just sent me a new box and there's so much delicious stuff inside. Let me tell you about it. First of all, there was like sourdough bread, ciabatta bread, and like a sesame seed bread and fresh pastas. And I was just telling Nick how much I want to start using fresh pastas. We tried them out and they are so delicious. Like he's wanted it for dinner twice this week already. And then there were these apple bites. They're like little apple pie bites. I don't know how else to describe them. They're like little pie bites and they were so good. I can't pick a favorite item. I want to say probably the fresh pasta, although it's hard to beat fresh sourdough bread or apple pie bites. 
And I know wild grains would probably be great if you are hosting or attending a holiday party or get together with family and friends, but honestly, I don't want to share it. Oh, I'm totally going to incorporate them into my Thanksgiving. There's just something about the bread's already made. So all the hard work's done for you, but you get to pop it in the oven and get that fresh baked bread smell. I love it so much. I just went on to order my new wild grains box and it's so cool because now you can fully customize it. So you can get any combination of breads, pastas, or pastries that you like. And if you want a box of all bread or all pasta or all pastries, you can have that as well. Plus, for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrains.com slash next level to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissants in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash next level. That's wildgrain.com slash next level or or you can use promo code next level at checkout. You won't be sorry. And in an interview, I say, I think Holly was getting kind of upset and of course worried that it wasn't going to work out or we weren't going to be able to shoot that day. Because I do remember thinking, holy shit, we might not even be able to do this today, mm -hmm. which I mean, is a major crisis because you're paying all those people to be there. We went and had these elaborate updos done like it was yeah. a big deal if we had to come back the next day plus we ha already had a different shoot schedule for the next day so it would have been a big deal if we couldn't have done it that day yeah every day at the studio costs a ton of money I mean I learned that when I worked there but even before I kind of had an idea so it's a big deal if you don't get any content from a whole day do you have any like um frame like can you tell us like how much it would cost to shoot in a studio Kind of. Well, when I joined as the Playmate editor, I cut the budget in half. Part of that was because we were able to switch from film to digital because Playboy was still shooting on film at that time and it was very expensive to get it all processed. In fact, they were there was a company that would process the film and Playboy was keeping that company in business because they were the last ones still using film. Oh, my God. So when we switched to digital, that was a big cut. But also I was able to cut the time down it took to get the content Hef wanted because Arnie and Steve, the photographers, were under contract. So they were going to be paid the same no matter how many days we shot. But every day that you shot, you had to hire and pay the day rate for hair, for makeup, for lighting crew. The, yeah, the two assistants each photographer needed, the stylist. So each day you shot just got very expensive. Mm -hmm. And not to mention the set building. Mm -hmm. Can you give us a like estimate, like a just like what one pictorial cost? I almost don't want to put a price on it because oh. the two set builders were so good at what they did. They could make amazing things for like not a ton of money. But I did always have to have it in my mind, like with a playmate. OK, we're going to shoot at a location in L.A., which back then would cost like five thousand dollars a day if you were just doing stills or you could have like a couple sets or like a set. I think that's my cord delivery. Oh, gotta love that Instacart. Yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to remember, like, for example, when we shot Regina, the playmate from Germany, we shot one day at the Charlie Chaplin apartment. So that was like $5,000. And then we had like this German beer hall made. And I don't remember the cost of like what a day of set building was. But we Not had that. We had the set. We had one location. And then the rest of the stuff we shot on like someone else's set that we reused. Oh. But just kind of like painted different. Yeah. So I would guess maybe my personal budget for a Playmate shoot was like 10000 for set and location. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's less than I thought it was, actually. 
Yeah. But I know you said you cut it in half, so it was more before. Yeah. And also keep in mind, this is 20 years ago, so it would cost a lot more now. Yeah, <laughs> totally. Because I would have no idea. Like if somebody said, how much does a shoot cost? I'd be like, well. Oh, my gosh. Things were so expensive. Like I remember there was this one centerfold Hef was approving. And he goes, I love it. But you know what would make it really unique is if she was wearing stockings. And I go, OK, we can do that. But that's $10,000 just because that's a- another shoot day is $10,000. Yeah. Oh, so it was $10,000 per day? Basically, when you think about what it costs to hire everyone for that day. Whoa. So he decided on no stockings. (laughs) She still looked amazing. Yeah, I I incorporated the stocking idea into the rest of her photos. But to go back and shoot that exact centerfold, I'm like, okay, but that's $10,000. Yeah. So then the stairs are repainted uh, and they're dry. Arnie says, I think they're good to go. And you say, finally, well, let's get this done. And they show you shooting alone on the stairs. They're really hot shots, I think. Thanks. I and think you guys look so good, too, in the in those outfits. And I stuff. just think the whole thing is really cute. I, I like all of ours. I like all three I really of them. do. You know what I have to say is, and this is probably going to be my least favorite thing when I talk about this episode, even though it really isn't an episode thing, is I hate the group photo of me that he chose for the magazine. Just the way my body's positioned, I look kind of bloated and I'm doing this dumb like hands in the air, ta-da pose. That's a Bridget pose. (laughs) And I know there's better photos because I have the Polaroids from that day and I know there's way better poses where I look my body looks amazing and it's just sexier and like more natural looking, but that's not what he picked. And I'm like, why? Oh. Like we would always commiserate about that. Like me and the photographers about the photos. And like my favorite thing is like anytime Steve Wada would shoot something he really loved, he'd turn around to me and go, it'll never get published. Such a bummer. <laughs> I know. So anyway, I hate my group photo that they picked. Not of you guys. I think you guys look amazing in all the photos. But of me, I'm just like, really? That's the one? Like, I get to shoot the pictorial of my dreams and that's the one you pick? Ugh. I think we're just extra critical of ourselves, too. We are. I know you guys have heard us talking about microdosing. But if not, maybe you're new here. Just know that all sorts of people are microdosing daily to feel healthier and perform better. Our show today is sponsored by Microdose Gummies. Microdose Gummies deliver perfect entry-level doses of THC that help you feel just the right amount of good. So first of all, let me just tell you that these gummies really do taste amazing and they have several different flavors to choose from and they make you feel amazing. I've used them to help me get in the zone when doing creative work. I mean, it really helps to get creative and really hone in on those things that you're trying to like figure out. I think of myself as a pretty creative person, but I'm not going to lie. Sometimes it's hard to be creative on a consistent basis. And some days I'm just doing my thing. And other days I feel like nothing good is going to come into my head and I just can't get it out there. For those days, I eat half a microdose gummy to relax and get centered. And then after a little while, suddenly the ideas start coming and those creative juices start flowing like it's one of my best days, just enough to spark creativity. Not so much that I feel hazy. That's what I need sometimes. And these microdose gummies are consistently there for me. I love it for creativity too, but I also love it to take away some of my anxiety. It's the perfect thing to help me wind down at the end of the night when I just want to get that relaxed, grateful perspective. You know what I mean? I've got so many people in my family taking these just to get a good night's sleep. All around, these things are like a 10 out of 10 for me. Microdose is available 
available nationwide. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use code NEXTLEVEL to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Links can be found in the show description. But again, that's microdose.com and code NEXTLEVEL. So then we're finally shooting, all three of us now, and um, Kendra's like, we got the cane and the cufflinks, and we look like pimps. <laughs> Shows us all shooting together on the stairs, and then um, Kendra's kind of goofing off on set, and she hits her tooth, but in commentary, she said she really oh, hit her tooth hard. Oh, no. and I can feel that viscerally when we watch it. I'm like, no! Yes. So that's like my big fear is like a chip tooth right oh, no. and not to mention it kind of hurts when you hit your tooth just right like when you yeah. knock it kind of hard oh and then you say it's really important for me not to disappoint hef it's not just a personal thing it's like the pictures and being professional too i want him to approve the pictures and hopefully one of them will get used and then in commentary you're you are critiquing yourself you're like oh i could have stood the tan a little more and then kendra says i could have sucked in a little bit more and i was thinking oh there's a one scene where i could see a little bit of cellulite on my butt and i say oh i could have done a lot of stuff too but I think we all look really good. Yeah, I think we do. I think it's just, I think I'm extra critical of myself in this particular setup because these were like our dream pictorial setups. Yeah. And he's only going to choose, I mean, at the time we didn't know if he was going to choose any, but he only chooses two pictures from each session and you just want it to be the best ever. Yeah. So even now when I look through the Polaroids, I'm like, oh, I like this one, this one, but what is my body makeup doing here? And what is, why am I posing weird? And I feel like now after doing like two years, of OnlyFans shoots, I would know how to pose really well on those stairs. But it's hard to pose on stairs. There's only like a limited amount of things you can do. And you have to like position yourself so like the stair isn't cutting into any part of your body and like your ass cheek has to hang over the edge and you know, yeah. you have to balance yourself. Yeah, there's it's a lot to weird do. Things. It's a challenging thing to pose on. But I just think it's funny, like I, not funny. I think it's sad actually that like in commentary, like a year later, we're still critiquing ourselves. Mm-hmm. Like here we are. We made it in the magazine. We did this second shoot. We probably already know we got a third shoot coming up. And we're like, oh, I should have sucked in more. Oh, my ta- I could have tanned more. Oh, yeah. I got cellulite. Oh, I look bad and everything. And we look amazing. I think part of it is we feel like we have to be self-deprecating because we know there's so many haters out there who are tearing every last piece of us apart. So we kind of have to get there first a little bit. And they're still doing it. Like I posted today about last week's episode and I'm getting all kinds of people arguing about our bodies on there. Oh, no. Yeah. What is wrong with people? And then they do the Scooby-Doo feet back to the mansion. I know. I love the cute graphic of us running back home. So how do we merge into our cover shoot? Do they just snap and we're at the cover shoot? Well, next thing is interview. And I say the cover shoot that we got to do is going to be making Playboy history because we are shooting a front and back cover, which as far as I know, has never been done on for Playboy before. So it just cuts to my interview of after us leaving. So this cover concept was my idea. And people were asking me when I asked for questions about this episode, like, does it bug you that you weren't given credit for that? And I yes. think it's, I mean, it does now. <laughs> I think at the time, I don't remember it bothering me just because I felt like, you know, whether it was through commentary or the girls next door coffee table book, I could pipe up and say, oh, this is my idea. You know, like, I didn't feel like I was being totally left out. But now looking back, I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Like, why is that not? included. And it it makes me think about how also 
Playboy has like tried to erase us from their history, which I think is kind of funny. And this started happening before I wrote my book, you guys, because if it would have happened after I wrote my book, I would totally understand. But it started happening to all three of us maybe like a year to a year and a half after we moved out. And the reason this is odd, like I'm not sitting here being conceited like, oh, my God, we're so great. They need to like pay homage to us all the time. But the way Playboy operated and we were very familiar with how they operated was Playboy was always very deferential to its own history. Like they were always printing like retrospectives and best ofs. And they were always very proud of their history. And like every playmate who'd ever been in the magazine even if it was a playmate who kind of like went rogue, so to speak, and like went against the company or something, they were always very proud of their history. But I started noticing after about a year and a half, because I would still get Playboys sent to my house. And I was, I like looking at them because I was curious about, oh, what are they doing with the centerfolds these days and stuff. And I noticed they would do things like they would have a pictorial of the greatest blondes in all of Playboy's history. And this was only like two years after we left. Like our spinoffs were still on E, like we were still relevant. And I thought for sure, oh, I'm going to have to rip a picture out for my scrapbook because we're going to be in it. Nope. Yeah. Not at all. I remember. Every, but every blonde celebrity who'd ever posed for Playboy, every blonde celebrity who'd done a Playboy adjacent pictorial that never got published. Even like for the longest time, I remember Steve Wade shot a pictorial of Jenna Jameson, but Playboy didn't want to use it because it was quote unquote too porn. But that was in there. Even that was in their list of like best blondes or like playmates of the year who were blonde, but not us. And I and I noticed that in several different things that Playboy did. I'm like, damn, they are like. Yeah. And then there was this thing where they had a singer do a cover. And I don't remember when this was. It was like in 2014 or something. So still before my book came out. So I didn't have like any reason to be exiled. But I saw her tweet about this cover she did. And she was bragging about how she was, quote unquote, like the first bunny to ever conceptualize and direct her own cover that she appeared on. And I'm not mad at her because I'm sure Playboy told her that she was and she probably believed that. But I was pissed because I was like, I conceptualized our last three covers and directed the last two and was on all three. So wait, how is she the first person to conceptualize and direct her own cover? Right. So it's just annoying that they try to like erase us so hard. Well, going back to giving credit too for it, I feel like getting credit for something at the mansion was something that was really hard to get. Mm -hmm. And even when we left, like things that I felt were like kind of something that I brought to the mansion, I felt like were taken away from me and not contributed to like something that I had brought to the mansion. But I have to say, I love you guys, the viewers, because I kept seeing on Twitter, like after we left, other people who moved into the mansion would post about like the slip and slide and everybody chime in. Holly invented the slip and slides. Holly did the slip and slides. Holly, I'm like, thank you. Somebody remembers. Yeah. Because Playboy wanted to act like we never existed. And they've been pretty successful about it. Like they've wiped us off of their whole website. Like we never existed on there. I'm glad I'm not on their website, though. Like I would rather they not use my nudes. Yeah. I mean, whether I want it there or not, it's just very weird. I mean, I just feel like they have been successful at just like wiping us off with the exception of Girls Next Door. Yeah. It's weird. Well, it's because they don't fully own Girls Next Door. If they did, that would be nowhere to be found either, I feel like. I know. I think so, too. Yeah. Well, we'll probably like when we watch season six, we'll probably have a lot to say, I think. Yeah, we'll probably (laughs) get into that more. And it's not like people can't 
do the same thing. So I don't know. I just felt like it was different when we were there. Like, for example, Brandy Roderick started like the cookie night. But it was always very clear that that was Brandy's thing, even though I took it over. Like, I never didn't know that was Brandy's thing. Yeah. I don't know. It just felt different for us, I feel like. Well, and we had been there for so long and we saw how welcoming Hef was to every playmate and ex-girlfriend coming back. He would act like the world stopped when like an ex-girlfriend came in or like an older playmate or something. But for us, it was not like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He would stop everything he was doing and, and get up and big hug and the big laugh and get the photographer over here. Let's get pictures. And how have you been doing while the rest of us are like waiting in the middle of a game turn or something like we're in the middle playing a game or something and just not even acknowledge the rest of us. Just like be fully focused on that person, which is fine. It's sweet and everything. It did get annoying sometimes, but it was it was sweet, but didn't happen for us. Yeah. And I did feel like it was sweet that he would do that for other people. But yeah. I did feel like there was a touch of wanting me to feel insignificant. Oh, like I'm going to make I mean. a huge fucking fuss about my last girlfriend. So that's, I felt like a worm. You know what I mean? That's what I mean. I felt like it was a little bit insulting to us when you're sitting there and there's no acknowledgement mm-hmm. made and they're just like gushing over each other uh-huh. and taking photos and stuff. But at the same time, like I also thought it was cute and sweet that he did it. Yeah, I think there's layers to why he did it. I don't mm-hmm. think it was just one thing. I think one was genuine sentimentality. Yes. I do believe that was there. But I also think a lot of the reason it was so important for him to keep like ex-girlfriends on the party list and stuff is even back in the day, I knew it was because he's keeping everybody on their good on his good side. So nobody like goes and talks shit or anything like that. Like I knew that was a tactic. And I do think there was a touch of like when he would make a really big deal out of someone in front of us, it was to make us keep us in our places. Like you're not yeah. so great. There yeah. are people before you and there will be people after. Yeah, I think so too. It's so it's it's so layered, like you said. And it's hard to like really pinpoint what it was each time. It was probably a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But it definitely was a thing. And I fully anticipated that after after I left that I was going to still be going up there all the time that I would get that kind of reaction from him too. that. I mean, it was to the point you guys were like, if it was a dinner or like we were at a club or something, he would tell like Holly or me scoot over, like yeah. make room for whoever mm-hmm. Tina to come sit down or Brandy to come sit down or whatever. Like he would like push us out of the way for yeah. that person to come and sit down. It was like that extreme. I mean, I was part of the mansion and did keep coming up for a few years mm-hmm. afterwards, but it's weird how it like dissipated, like something changed. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't know exactly what it was. I have some ideas. I think it's more than one thing. I do too. Yeah. And I know we're going to get into that in a later date, but it's it's very ominous. So where were we now? <laughs> um, oh, we're about to do our our shoot, our cover shoot. So it shows our window set and shows oh, me in the... Sorry to interrupt, but no. can I say before we get into the window set... On my sketch I made, I liked my sketch better than what we actually did because my sketch, the window was bigger. So the way I had it, there were like two girls kind of perched in the window. So like their legs were up. So you got to see leg and like the person in the center was kind of like pulling up her shirt. So it was like just under her boobs and you, it was sexier. Like you saw a lot more body. Yeah. But we showed up on set and it was like a tiny window. So we're like peeking out. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yeah, because you're, I've seen your sketch uh, and it definitely has a girl like sitting fully in the window with her yeah. leg all the way out and stuff, which I think is cute. And 
I think that I was still thinking that's how we were going to do it because I have a picture of me with Arnie just doing like um testing. Yeah, and I'm perching. sitting in the window with my leg all the way out. We're trying to make it work. Yeah. <laughs> um, but it shows our window set and it shows me posing and Arnie wants to see if the if the curtains will cover our boobs, like not be see through. I think that he thought maybe we would hold the curtains oh, over yeah. our boobs. Yeah, I forgot until I was looking at the Polaroids that we tried it a couple different ways because we're shooting a front and back cover and we end up wearing like these lacy kind of like scrunched boy short underwear. But we started off in thongs. Oh, did like we? Like full thongs. And I think we should address like the front and back cover too, which we were excited to do. It was really cool. It was like the first time Playboy had ever done that. And uh, they were able to do that because they had to sell the back as an ad space. And Volkswagen was coming out with the Volkswagen Rabbit again. So it was actually a Volkswagen Rabbit ad. And they turned my Playboy bunny tattoo on my back into the Volkswagen Rabbit logo, which people ask me that all the time. Why did they change your tattoo on the back? And I'm like, it's because it's a Volkswagen ad. Yeah. I can see why they're confused, though, because I couldn't tell you what the Volkswagen Rabbit logo looked like other right. than that cover like I don't know if the Volkswagen Rabbit is even a thing still yeah well I don't know I don't know either and also so we had to shoot these front and back covers simultaneously because they wanted to use like the shots that were actually shot simultaneously like they were going to keep track of where it was on the film so that's why we had this whole painstaking setup where like you like you couldn't see Arnie so he was like behind a white wall with just the lens of his camera sticking out and Marilyn Grabowski was like peeking through a hole that we called the mo hole because everybody mm. called her mo and so because we couldn't see that from behind when they're looking past us through the window but they didn't end up using coordinating shots so we did all that for nothing oh my god oh my god that's another frustration about how uh, there were just too many cooks in the kitchen i think like because we were shooting on the west coast then everything went to the chicago office and then back to half i was really lobbying to get it consolidated when i was there which is tricky because you're dealing with all these people's jobs and you don't want to be careless about that either right and obviously it didn't happen while i was there but I, it was it was too many cooks in the kitchen. Well, here's another thing I want to say about this scene. So Arnie is like, you know, doing these test shots just to test the lighting and stuff. These aren't real shots or anything like that. And I'm making this ugly, ugly face. And I I'll tell you guys right now, I'm horrible at making a sexy face. Like, I'm just bad about it. And I'm horrible about doing a serious face. Like, I'm a <laughs> smiling face person. I have, I don't know if you want to call it resting bitch face or whatever, but I just can't do that like sexy face but I feel like Kevin always because it becomes a thing like I see it all the time is trying to make me look as ugly as possible I don't think ugly as possible but I think he wants the resting bitch face thing he wants you to look annoyed or just don't deserve playmate because she just doesn't have the look for it is what I was feeling when I was re-watching or she's sitting there sneering the whole time like I feel like he was looking for that yeah and I feel like okay so this isn't how I look all the time because there's obviously lots of pictures where mm -hmm. I look great in it, even though our Polaroids and stuff. So why does he always show me like making an ugly face like every time? And it's because of that. Like he just wants I mean, I just feel like he wants people to think, well, she doesn't really fit playmate or that you're having thoughts and you're like pissed about something or critical 
That's how I interpret it. Like, he's always trying to make us look pissy. (laughs) So we had to find a pose and outfits and hair and everything that looked perfect from the front and back, which is almost impossible to do. And it shows us posing in in the window. And Arnie says, okay, here we go. And as he says that, there's a spooky music that plays and Marilyn walks into the background of the set. Dun, dun, dun. Is this the first we're really seeing of Marilyn Grabowski in this series? We saw her in our uh, last cover shoot. Oh, yeah, too. yeah, yeah, because she was there for the cover. And she makes the phone call to mm-hmm. Hef, but she doesn't play a significant role. And she's not yeah. like, they don't show her in there directing like she does. Mm-hmm. So Marilyn Grabowski, as we probably told you before, was the West Coast editor of Playboy. So she supervised like the Playmate of the Year shoots, the celebrity shoots, and most of the Playmate shoots as well. And I'm honestly surprised she wasn't more involved in just the rest of our shoots. She just kind of popped in for the covers. Yeah. And I didn't know... If that was just the way things operated with her or maybe if she was keeping her distance at first because she was so close with Hefsec's wife. Oh, I didn't know if it was like a loyalty thing. I don't know. Yeah. But she was great to me when I worked at the studio. Yeah. We tried to reach out to her for an interview, but we can't find her. I don't. How do like production companies find people? Because she's right? been in documentaries lately. Like she was in the Anna Nicole Smith documentary. She was in something else. Like how do production companies do they get on like LexisNexis or something? I don't know. I like reached out to her on LinkedIn because it was all I could find. And I'm like, but I don't know if Marilyn, like she's retired. So I don't know if she like cares about LinkedIn. Right. <laughs> well, if any of you guys know how to get a hold of her, let her know. We would love to have yeah. her on for an interview and, and tell her she should do it. <laughs> <laughs> so Arnie yells out, your butts are all the same, right? And then Marin- Marilyn is now no, officially. they're not. <laughs> officially on the set and um says holly and i couldn't really understand what she says but i think she says um make a prettier hand a prettier hand i'm like trying to do it as we speak and it's so funny because i saw someone comment even though we haven't even um posted about this episode Uh yet somebody commented on it and said what the hell if somebody told me make a prettier hand like what does that even mean have you ever heard that people pay to be on the cover of foreign issues of playboy no. Yeah, I guess that's a thing in the magazine industry. Like people can pay to be on the cover of like foreign editions of magazines. Like people in America don't do it. Oh, no, I had no idea. Interesting. Yeah. In the interview, you would you describe who Marilyn Grabowski is, that she's the West Coast Playboy editor, and she's in charge of everything that is going on at the studio, and she is the biggest perfectionist there. Then she like, is walking down the hall, and she's like freaking out on people. Like, oh, I man. need people here, and I need you to be going to the mansion, and you need to help wherever. And she's like flipping out on everybody, yeah. like all stressed. And I feel like it wasn't that stressful at the studio. I mean, maybe it was for her, because she had to make sure everybody was doing what they needed uh-huh. to be doing. But I just felt like all of a sudden it got stressful yeah i don't know or maybe like we weren't in the hall when she was i think maybe things were buffered maybe a little around us maybe i don't know yeah um i loved our lingerie for this shoot i thought it was so pretty it was just very like delicate lacy matched but wasn't exactly the same yeah and you you talk about in commentary how long it it how long the shoot took and you said it took two days that we were shooting this I saw in my day planner from back then that we had to go back and shoot another day. So we didn't get it the first day. Yeah. So it was a mess. And there's some fun. Not only that, but they had to repaint the house, you said. Oh, I'd forgotten that. So the house wasn't painted like something was reflecting or doing something weird on the house paint, too. Damn, that was a theme with this pictorial. Yeah. So there's some fun cameos in the scene. You can see Laurent peeking around. He's so like over everybody's shoulder on yeah. everything. Like 
You can see Joyce Benelli, the makeup artist in the background. You can see Monica Lee. There's a lot of people in and out. Yeah, so we have a lot of fun. people on set with us. And then Barry, the photo assistant, is wearing this shirt that says hot poop. Yeah. Which I guess is a music festival, but I remember he wore that shirt a lot on this show and it would always make Hef laugh when he saw it. Oh my God. And I'm also surprised it's something that E didn't make them blur out. Yeah. Doesn't it seem like it would be? Well, they must not have known it was the name of something. Well, just even the fact that it said poop, I feel like back then they would have been like, eh. Yeah. And Marilyn is showing Arnie the Polaroid and Laurent is looking over her shoulder. Make sure Holly is straight. She's turned a little bit. Then she walks over to us in the window. No, don't hunch over. Just hide. I don't want to see that. Just pull Bridget's curtain back a little bit. And she's telling this to Laurent. Monica's hanging out, like you said. Then she yells, okay, time's wasting. Let's go. And Arnie says, okay, that looks good. And then it starts in. Oh, no. Marilyn says, Bridget, push your hand. And it's funny because the thing that I remember her complaining about the Uh most is not something that's even shown in here. What was it? My thumb. She kept saying, Bridget, I don't like your thumb. I don't like the way your thumb is. So then I would move it a different way. And she literally came over and grabbed (gasps) my thumb and was like trying to twist it the way she wanted. I was like, um, (laughs) well, it doesn't go like that unless I move my hand like that. And it was so crazy. And none of that's on here, but all this other stuff is. And she says, um... Bridget, push your hand. Arnie says, put your elbow up a little bit. Marilyn says, just put it inside. And Arnie gives a look like directly at camera, like, oh my God, here we go. (laughs) But like, here's what was happening. So like, they would be like, lean into the window, you guys. So we'd lean into Mm -hmm. the window. And then they, for the back camera, they would be like, stand up straight. We need you to stand up straight. So then you'd stand up straight. And then Mm -hmm. they'd be like, you're not leaning into the camera. Lean into the camera. Like, and it's like, oh my God. So you, I can't stand up straight and lean into the window at the same time. Yeah. Like it either has to be one or the other. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of what was happening in there. Marilyn says, you, Bridget, you need to turn your body in a little bit. Or she she asks Arnie, does she need to turn her body in a little bit? And Arnie's like, oh, I turned her before, but we can go back. And then she says something. And then she says, she's gotten a little heavy. What? I didn't hear that. Yeah, it's well... I'm so I would see I'm bummed that you didn't hear it because I wanted to ask you about this because it almost sounds inserted to me. Oh, like she didn't say that in reference to me or in reference here Uh anyway. And that Kevin added that (gasps) in. That could be because I don't think any of us look like we've gained weight compared to ourselves in this photo shoot at all. Or she's referring to something else, but Kevin's trying to like sort of slide it in to make it look like she's talking about me. Or it's Frankenbited because it kind of there's something weird about how it it's said and how it comes in there. So I was hoping that you heard it to kind of like analyze it. I didn't notice it, but I wouldn't be surprised because if they're trying to make this the climax of the episode and you're crying, they're going to want to put things in there that make it that give it the stakes, you know? Yeah. Or she really said it and I didn't I didn't hear it Mm -hmm. at the time. Um, But it's very insulting to me. And it goes back to the theme of what they're trying to push on me that I'm too heavy, I'm not in shape, and I don't deserve Playmate. Yeah. And so I'm like, I need a break, and I step off set. And in interview, Kendra says, I was getting picked on, me in referring to me. Mm-hmm. Um, every little thing had to be perfect. And then it shows Marilyn saying, Bridget, your leg is a little too far over. And then Arnie would say, Bridget, put your right hand down a fraction. Yeah, it's straight. Or from our position, we can't see what it is. Is it straight? Bridget, 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 Bridget. Like, yeah. keep doing this. But 
it's it was definitely happening, but it's also a little bit exaggerated in this scene because they only cut to everything. They call out for everybody. Yeah, in real life, it was we were all problematic. Yeah. <laughs> and so I just say I need a break. And I say it was just overwhelming and frustrated. And I would have been fine. Like, you guys, mm-hmm. I would not have started crying. But the show has to sit down and be like, why? Tell us how you're feeling. Tell me how you're feeling. How's the shoot going? What, do you think they're picking on you? Like, and then that starts making me like I'm already feeling bad. I'm feeling mm-hmm. like I'm holding up this shoot. I feel like I'm the one that's you know, doesn't belong here and then I start crying it shows Kendra looking very sympathetic um and I just say my feelings were really hurt and I'm really upset and I was upset but it wouldn't have been so much of a drama and then when people start like I really appreciate it like when people feel bad and like come and like give me support that support makes me feel more emotional. Yes. Not that I don't appreciate it. I totally mm-hmm. appreciate it. But I, it means so much to me that somebody comes over and like says, oh, they're picking on you and I feel bad and everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it even gets me emotional now. Yeah. Like it means a lot to me. So then I get emotional more. Yeah. So it was just like this like rolling downhill kind of thing i would not have been in tears like they wouldn't leave me alone until they got them like they were pushing for that and i'm sure it didn't take too long because i was already so upset and so frustrated but i'm back in the makeup room and i'm crying and i just say well i don't know what they wanted from me i don't know what i was supposed to do it just kept being me 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 that everything was wrong with and then after the last pictorial and being left out of the whole scene, that's still bothering me, mm-hmm. you know? And I'm just feeling like I'm a bur- I'm too much of a burden to be in these shoots. Yeah. Like I'm burdening the whole thing or I'm holding the whole thing up. And then I keep going on. I say, everybody's like, do this, do that. And I'm not trying to say it's hard, but when you tell me you want me to do one thing and then you keep changing it and then acting like I'm doing it wrong because everybody keeps changing me, it makes me feel like I'm just stupid. Like, that's how I felt. Like, Mm -hmm. I felt like, okay, they're directing me one way and then they're directing me another way. And really, they were just trying a bunch of different things when I'm rewatching this. But it made me feel like I wasn't doing things right. So it was very upsetting for me. And I was just getting really frustrated because I try to do the best that I can. Doing a new pictorial obviously means the world to me. And I want it to be right. And I want it to be perfect. And I don't want to be the one that's messing it Mm -hmm. up. And I feel like I am. Yeah. So and then in an interview, it says, Kendra says, I totally understood why Bridget was feeling the way she was during the cover shoot. I would have felt the same way and I felt really bad for her and she comes up and she starts massaging my shoulders and I had to stop right there for a second and be like uh, ask myself and I wanted to bring it up for this why couldn't that have always been the friendship there well it's hilarious that you say that because when I think of that scene when I was writing my book and my editor was going over it she said you have to find you have to include something in this book about Kendra being nice because when it gets to the end and you get mad at her for her tweeting that she was never friends with you and Bridget it doesn't make sense because I'm reading this book and I'm just seeing somebody who's selfish and, you know, not a friend. And that was the only thing I could think of. That was the only thing I could think of where she like went out of her way to be nice was when she came and like rubbed your shoulders for two seconds. Yeah. And then it makes me question, like, I don't think I was ever dumb for being mad at her for blasting on her Twitter that she was never friends with Holly and Bridget because it was just that snobby I'm better than you thing that she was always trying to project in those days. Yeah. 
But I look back and I'm like, yeah, there were a lot of moments of like camaraderie and fun. But I think that was based more on the fact that she's not the mean girls. Yeah. Yeah. I just yeah, that was my number one question right here. It's like, why couldn't this always have been the friendship and the support that we we needed that from each other? Mm -hmm. And yeah, you see it here and it is very sweet, but it was so fleeting Mm -hmm. and it wasn't the norm. Yeah, it was very much like this was this was an exception for Mm -hmm. her to like see what was going on and actually feel bad and like come and try and make me feel better. It was literally the only thing I could think of when I was asked to put something nice about Kendra in the book. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. And then I I joke and say, um, yeah, she should have done it a little longer. She could have done it a little yeah. longer. <laughs> and Kendra said she was getting frustrated her herself. Mm-hmm. And so I think that says a lot too, that everybody was kind of getting everybody frustrated. Everybody was. I mean, I think I'm more like a robot, so you don't see it. I'm just sitting there like making the adjustments, thinking in my head, Jesus Christ, when are we going to get it? But but everybody was. Yeah. I mean, even when we interviewed Arnie in season one and stuff, mm-hmm. he was getting frustrated at this at this shoot. Like yeah. everyone was just really frustrated and at wit's ends. And of course, Bridget will get emotional and cry. <laughs> and then they don't even use the coordinating photos. So it was all for naught. Oh <laughs> and then we're back in the window, all touched up. And Arnie says, OK, we're ready ready to go and um then we start shooting and now Marilyn's like yeah that's great everything looks great and saying really nice things and then she screams out that looks great from the back Bridget much big difference she says (laughs) much big difference And then she says something to me, Bridget, how did you get your breasts? Uh, she, it's another thing. She must not have been mic'd because I can't really oh. understand what she's saying. But she says something about Bridget. How did you get your breasts or your butt to look like that? Looks so tight. And she gives me like a big compliment. And she said, it looks great. And I kind of laugh, but you can, t- but <laughs> I can tell that I'm like, Oh, now, <laughs> now she compliments me. Like, yeah. I just was like crying and yeah. like, you know, over the things she was saying. But now there's compliments. I'm very confused by it. By the way, it's cut or by the way it happened in real life? Both. I'm very, I'm confused about the heavy comment was cut. And this yeah. one, I'm confused about what she was saying in real life and what she meant by it. And I feel like in watching it back, I feel like she felt bad. Oh, I'm sure she did. Yeah. That I was crying and mm-hmm. that it was caused by her possibly. And so I think she was trying to give me a compliment. Yeah. But when that happens in real life, then it feels really awkward for me because you don't know how to react. Like, are are you fucking with me? Kind of like, I don't think she was. No, I don't make that clear. But in the moment in those situations, it can kind of feel like, oh, how am I supposed to react? Yeah. Well, I feel like you're just saying that because you were just so mean about it. (laughs) And now you are being now you're trying to say something nice to me. But now I don't feel it and now I feel weird yeah (laughs) so it's like very weird little scene they had us do like other sets without the window and just us playing and being fun yeah we were posing in front of a beige backdrop and those photos turned out to be such a hit that we reenacted that twice we did it for the cover of our second calendar and we did it for that star photo, our third cover. Yeah, you guys, they were just like nothing. It was just the three of us standing and like being goofy together. And like, like interacting just... with each other and like pulling on each other's clothes and stuff like that. Yeah. And they were really fun to shoot, really easy to shoot. We got tons of good stuff out of doing mm-hmm. that rather than the super pose because I'm sure we've talked about it before, but it is so hard. Or I know we talked about it in the last episode, how hard it is to pose three people. 
and get a good picture out of three people in one photo. It's yeah. just so hard. So it's really fun. We can all be playful. But there was these photos that we did where we were like squatting down and we call them our dump photos. because Yeah, like we were going were... like, eh, like just being goofy. And yeah. I had a Polaroid of that somewhere, but that's the one Polaroid I can't find. Like I think at some point I was like, oh, this one's funny. And I took it aside and put it somewhere else and now I can't find it. Dang. Because I remember specifically I kept the taking a shit Polaroid. <laughs> In interview, I say, I'm always nervous about what Hef is going to say about our pictures because we try so hard and we really work hard all day long. So it shows us being silly, but now it's tying us back to, wait, okay, you could be goofy for a second, but let's get back to what's really Mm -hmm. at stake here. Yeah. And And it cuts to Mary's office because, of course- Wait, but before in commentary, you say that in season three, I'm going to be Moe's apprentice- yeah, because I was already I was already wanting to do that like very early on. And the reason it didn't happen until season three is Hef was really against it because he thought I would do a terrible job and he didn't want to tell me no on camera. But I thought, why would you not want to do that? That's the drama the show needs. Yeah. So eventually, somehow I got to do it. I think the only reason they let me do it is there was just such a lack of things for me to do on the show. And Kendra didn't want to participate anymore at that point. And they're just like, okay, we need to do something. And I think I did like find a playmate and like push it and keep pushing and like, let me do this. Let me do this. And I say, since we finished shooting our whole pictorial, we've been on the edge waiting to see what Hef is going to pick for the magazine. And then it shows you in Mary's office looking at a mock-up of the pictorial. A.K.A. snooping. Mm Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're saying how much you love the pictures. And Mary says she's going to get chewed out for not hiding this, the brown book yeah. from you. And you say, well, there's no reason I shouldn't see it because I'm going to grow up and be an editor one day. It's true. <laughs> and it shows uh, Mary looking at the cover. And Holly says that Hef is still deciding whether the round bed photos will be the main focus of the pictorial or our individual pictures. And then you point to a photo and say, I bet you anything Hef picks this too because it's the round bed and he's like obsessed with getting pictures of the round bed in there. And I think he's more interested in the round bed than he is of us. I mean, truth. And in commentary, uh, Kendra says there should have been a blooper special edition page. And I feel like that would have been really cute. Well, we did it on our last calendar, remember? Each page had like a blooper because we would have like a main picture on each calendar page and then there would be two little squares and one would be like a second choice and one would be a blooper. Yeah. We love a blooper. We do love bloopers. And of course it shows Hef looking through mine and he hates all of mine. He's like crossing other options. But to be fair, they did send awful ones of mine. Like I even had to go in there and tell him, no, I swear there's better ones. Ask for more. Like I don't know why they choose the photos they choose. It makes no sense. Yeah. And I say I'm a little worried that Hef will choose those pictures over our individuals and our themed ones because that's more typical Playboy style on the bed. Loose hair rather than hardcore themed in like King Kong hands type of thing. But we'll <laughs> King see. Kong hands was definitely not typical Playboy. <laughs> but we'll see. And they show us on Hef's bed and ho- you look so defeated. Like yeah. it's not going to happen. <laughs> and Hef's walking down the hall. I say Holly and Kendra and I are dying wondering what he's going to pick. And then Hef walks into the room and he says I've got something nice. And, and there's s- me acting like I've never seen it before. Yeah. Like I wasn't just in there snooping. <laughs> and we're super excited and we're trying to look at what he has. And he starts showing the photos and says the original notion before the fact was that our own themes would be kind of secondary, but they worked out so well that these become the primary. And we're so excited. Yeah. And Holly says when Hef chose our individual pictures instead of the round bed pictures, she was shocked. She thought for sure he had his mind made up before the fact and it just felt really good to 
to throw something creative out there and have him embrace that, which is a big deal in our world at that time. It was a huge deal. A hundred percent. And I felt like for me, this was kind of like my mini audition to be an editor a little bit. Like, look, we can do things. I'd already done kind of like taken charge of like our first calendar a couple months before. But this was even like more pushing it. Yeah. And the fact that he went with it, I feel like gives a little trust to us too, like that he didn't have before. Yeah. Which is crazy. And so it's showing our photos. And in commentary, you say, oh, I feel like my stomach is sticking out there. Again, like I just pointing out where we're critiquing ourselves and stuff Mm -hmm. because we are so hard on ourselves throughout this whole thing. And Hef says, this particular pictorial really was produced by you girls. You came up with the individual concepts, including the cover and all of the themes. And I think that is going to make this doubly popular. Oh, so he does say the cover. He does say the cover in there. But it's so quick. I feel like people don't really know unless they know. But it's not like it's not like we get credit as in or that you get credit in it for Playboy lore. It's like he says it in this one little segment. And yeah. that's Kind of it. And then it's like ignored. Yeah. And then you say, I think I would really be a good art director for Playmate shoots because I would get it right every time. And I'm loving the confidence. <laughs> I did. I mean, if I didn't get something right, like if there was a centerfold he didn't like, like we fixed it pronto. Like there was no fails. Yeah. And then I say, I love Hef so much for giving us this opportunity. I think the readers are going to love Hef for it, too, because it's something that Playboy has never done before. And Kendra says she wants football players to hang her up in their locker room. And movie stars are probably going to hang Holly up in their locker room. And King Kong will probably hang Bridget up in his locker That's room. That's so funny. I love that. Laughs. And then Holly says the whole experience has drawn her and Hef closer. It's a collaborative process and we love him. Do you really think it brought you guys closer? Yeah. Well, I felt like even working at the studio did too. And yeah. it just like kind of turned our relationship into something else. Yeah. And it was such a different dynamic for us because I was so terrified to ever like ask him for anything for myself. I mean, for good reason, like the way he reacted to stuff. But when it came to me saying, oh, we need to make this change at the studio and we need to do this and we need to do this, I was always very confident to the point where like there were changes that needed to happen for a long time and never happened because no one at the company wanted to take it to half. But I always felt comfortable doing that because I felt like I was doing something for him and doing him a favor and letting him know and hey, we're saving money but not losing quality when we do this. And it was a totally different dynamic from how I felt like if I were just to ask for like a simple need of my own, like that I would be terrified for and I would you know know that it would turn into drama but work it was just a completely different dynamic yeah I think that's cool and I feel like I felt it at the time too that it kind of was a shift in your guys's relationship for the better I I mean we should have been co-workers instead of personally involved like that just should have been it (laughs) um so we say back in the scene we say thanks for showing us we all give him a kiss and he says thank you for being who you are the loves of my life best and worst favorite and least favorite Wait, I have a couple more things. Oh, go for it. Uh, They show the cover across the screen. And in commentary, I ask what they would want to do next. And Kendra says, I ask everybody like Mm -hmm. in the in commentary what they want to do next. And Kendra says a sexy sports illustrated um, beach scene. And you say a sexy winter scene or 50 soda shop. And I say amusement park with cotton candy and on rides and stuff. And then we say we want playmate, playmate pictorials in season three. 
That would have been great. We never I got know. to do that. Didn't get to do that. I feel like I tried to make it happen facsimile style, though, when we did our last pictorial and we each got to do something different. Kendra got to do her beach sports illustrated thing. You didn't do amusement park, but you did circus. Which yeah, is close. close. Yeah. And I did winter on one of the calendars. I didn't do 50 soda shop, but I did that for Kayla. Yeah. So. So let's talk about worst first. Yeah. Obviously, it's my breakdown. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, I just feel like it wouldn't have happened if the show wasn't pushing, if the producers weren't digging to get me to be emotional. Yeah. Um, I could have held it in and been professional about it. And I feel like it makes me look unprofessional to break down like that. And I hate it. And I hate that they're always using me for that. So that's definitely my worst. Yeah. I mean, if I could change anything about the episode, I'd take in that grafted thing that you pointed out where she goes it looks like she's put on weight because i think that's fucked up mm-hmm. i didn't know about that so it's not what i wrote down i think my worst thing and it's not really the episode it's just i don't love how i look in my final group pictorial photo and i would switch that out i feel like what a waste best best i feel like is is so obvious to me it's getting to like create my own scene and the king kong set i think turned out incredible like i love the sets like i Mm -hmm. love creating sets like that and even though i didn't get to like actually build it out or whatever Mm -hmm. i definitely like had a concept for it and i just love the way it turned out and i love being in that set and i love taking photos in a set and i just i i love that we got to be creative and come up with our own ideas yeah best for me I have a couple I mean I love the sets and stuff too I like how they handled the drama on my shoot because I feel like it was something that was kind of a bummer at the time and kind of stressful but I wasn't really pressed about it so I was fine leaning into it and that's the kind of drama I think would have been good it's respectful to the people involved we're comfortable leaning into it it's not like too personally invasive and i like how they did the funny editing cuts where they would turn it black and white and add a scream yeah i thought that was really good i like that another element i like just of this shoot and of this episode is kind of the controlled environment where it gave us all a chance to shine because we each get our individual shots but we also have a chance to each be supportive of each other in the shots. And I thought that was really nice because the biggest problem, I think, between us and Kendra was that battle for attention and that back and forth, which we'll get into more in later episodes. But I feel like despite her being late for my scene, I feel like shooting this pictorial was more of a rare moment of us really getting along and being supportive in season two. And I think what contributed to that is we were given this controlled environment where we each felt important enough to choose a theme and get to shoot individually. But we all had fun being in each other's shoot. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of like in an ideal world, how things would have operated for us as a group all along through the whole thing. Like we could each shine at our own things and support each other, but it wasn't always like that. Yeah. Agreed. So that's mutiny on the booty. Yeah. And I feel like I don't know. I didn't wasn't watching the time, but I feel like it was extra long, too. Yeah. We'll see how if it is after the edit, but for (laughs) for sure. Yeah. So next week, we'll either be back with an interview or we'll be talking about San Diego our San Diego trip. Because that's the next episode. I don't know what's next on Tubi if you're streaming on Tubi. But according to what came out and what's on the DVD, it's San Diego. When is heavy petting after San Diego? 
Yeah, it's like episode six. Oh, okay. Or something like that. We'll, we'll get to it. We will get to yeah, it. Yeah, we'll get to it. So if you guys would like more content, please check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash girlsnextlevel. We're also on YouTube. So we'll see you guys there. Yeah, bye guys. Bye. Bye. 